there's a never ending list of things that could be done. The only question is, is if I'm going to spend so much time accomplishing this, it's the exclusion of the things that really do matter. So when people are building websites and focusing on getting their logos looking all really nice and beautiful and perfect, it's like, that's time that you could have been prospecting time that you could have been following up with your database. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I've always felt. And it sounds like that's a little bit, the lesson that you learned going through the trends is of starting business after business and maybe moving too much too fast. And ladies and gentlemen, we are here live with the one and only Sandy McKay. Now, you have quite the resume, a plethora of companies, a brokerage, a team. I'm not going to do it justice if I start trying to rattle them all off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and yeah, all your companies and endeavors. Sure. Thanks, Oliver. Happy to be here. Excited to uh, add some value here, hopefully, to your audience and uh, have a fun time here in the next 30 minutes or so. And I will start with, uh, well, I'm located uh, not far from you. I'm located in Hamilton area, uh, near the greater Toronto area. I grew up in the greater Toronto area. And I, uh, I had no ever real thought of becoming a realtor, although I do have some realtors in my family. I, uh, I was a golf pro for a little bit. That's my only other real career prior to this. And I, uh, I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one day, which is uh, one of my uh, favorite books because it changed my life. And it uh, really made me think a lot differently about how to attain wealth in life, but also, well, when I was reading it at the time, it was definitely a lot about how to attain how to attain money and wealth. And um, you know, when you're mid twenties and you're not really sure where you're going in life, that's a really high priority. Is is how do I how do I make some money? And uh, so I read that, changed my life. I said I gotta. He also was a big big into real estate investing, so I started on the path of doing some creative real estate investing. Over that time, uh, in the last dozen years, uh, that grew into a bigger portfolio of real estate investments. Um, I own about 200 or so rental units right now. I'm about to offload a whole bunch of them. So I, I have, I mean, that's number's going to go down a bit, but that's about 60 properties overall. And so I, we've, we segued from real estate investing into the realtor side. Um, that's nine years ago for me and started a real estate team. I was actually on a real, I was on a team for two years. Um, then launched our own team in 2016, McKay um, Real Estate Network, where we have been growing ups and downs and everything all along the way for the last, uh, we'd be seven, seven years. And, uh, and then two years ago, we launched a brokerage um, in Vaughan, Ontario, uh, Keller Williams franchise. We've got 140, uh, 145 or so agents there today. And that's only been out for two years. So we're pretty excited about that growth. And um, yeah, our team, we have 15 agents on it. Um, we'll do 200, 200 some odd sales uh, year to year. We've never cracked a 300 number. Uh, that's kind of on our, on our list here to do as soon as we can. And yeah. Uh, We've also, because we've been involved in the real, uh, the investment side so much, we've also kind of uh, added on a few other businesses related to that over time, which is primarily property management. Uh, my wife runs our property management company, uh, Found Spaces, and that company has been around for been around for five years now. So we manage about uh, we've we've been up to almost eight hundred under eight hundred units under management. Uh, I think we're a little under that today, but. Uh, gives an idea of the size of that company and we have started a few other companies on the way um construction company that was really challenging business to be in believe it or not i probably never told you this we even had a, a small boutique marketing company for a, a year maybe two years i did not know that 
didn't go exactly how we planned, but that's okay. We, we've we've launched a few, probably too fast businesses over the years. Yeah. And um, we didn't know me then. <laughs> didn't know you either. That's the problem. I didn't know didn't that outsourcing me. could make sense back then. So I realized maybe it does work. Uh, and honestly, all those doing a lot of those businesses, that is one of my biggest lessons over, over the last you know, 10 years was there is a very, there's so many opportunities out there and focusing on a small amount of them is definitely a lot more beneficial than trying to do, you know, all of them. Yeah. I, I sometimes think I'm a good, you know, smart marketing person. And then I realize I'm only doing that like part-time. I'm not a real marketing person. I should probably talk to people that are doing this 24 seven. Yeah. Well, that's actually what we spoke about, right? It's it's interesting. The way I've always kind of perceived entrepreneurship and, and owning a business, although you, you have just in terms of years and age, you've got quite a lot more experience than me. But in the short time that I've owned businesses or a business, I should say, it's much less about figuring out what you need to do next and much more about figuring out what doesn't need to be done urgently or what's the most important, right? Because even if you're looking at it as if like the quadrant for like Stephen Covey, where you've got urgent and important, urgent and not important, important and not urgent, right? Like there's a never ending list of things that could be done. The only question is, is if I'm going to spend so much time accomplishing this, it's the exclusion of the things that really do matter. So when people are building websites and focusing on getting their logos looking all really nice and beautiful and perfect, it's like, that's time that you could have been prospecting time that you could have been following up with your database. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I've always felt. And it sounds like that's a little bit the lesson that you learned going through the trends of starting business after business and maybe moving too much too fast. It's one of my favorite ex- exercises I do every year now, uh, probably done it for about five years where I, at the end of the year, people always focus on what am I going to do next year? What's my big plan? What's my goals? What's my uh, affirmation or new year's resolution? <clears throat> and I, I do that too. I do a version of that. I also, which is way more beneficial actually, what I find is what am I not going to do this upcoming year? And what am I getting rid of in my life? How can I get rid of more stuff so that I, you know, more stuff that's not helping me achieve what I want to achieve and is a distraction. How do I get rid of that? Because or like, like we just said, over the course of my business career, the distractions are more detrimental than the new shiny objects are um, positive in your businesses. So I, I think it's a really important thing to do is just get rid of stuff regularly. Absolutely. So, okay. So then just to recap, because we got a lot of things kind of bouncing around the real estate industry, most notably being that this podcast is primarily focused to realtors. Um, we've got the brokerage with 140 agents in two years. Yeah. So that's obviously immense growth, which is uh, something I guess I kind of want to discuss in a moment about how you actually managed to attract so many agents so quickly. Like, what were you offering? And then the second thing is the team that you've actually created that's here, that's quite local. Mm-hmm. That's a team I'm assuming that you put a lot more of your... Um, I guess they're more local. You live closer to them. Your name is actually on there as opposed to just owning a, a, a Keller Williams branch. This is yeah. your team. It's got McKay Realty Network. Like, what what do you think you've done in your past to accomplish this level of success that you think could be easily replicated by any other realtor? Yeah. Uh, and when I got into real estate, I was uh, I, I really didn't know much about the realtor side. I actually got in... Because I was, I was convinced by someone, a mentor of mine, uh, who was running a realtor team, and he was doing a lot of cool real estate investment stuff that I wanted to uh, replicate. I wanted to, I wanted to learn more about what he was doing. He was buying apartment buildings and all this big stuff. He was raising a lot of money, and I said, I want to. 
be in that guy's world because I want to learn what he's doing and I want to, I want what he has in his life. I want a lot of that same stuff in mine. And so that was one of the smartest things I ever did was to find a mentor and just find time to hang around him. And I learned through working with him um, a, lo a whole lot about the realtor side. Obviously he was a realtor and, and I was joining his team as a realtor. And, but the smartest thing in that was joining a team that it wasn't just any team. It was a team that was very specialized in real estate investing, which was what I was really interested in. And uh, it was, it was someone who was just doing so many things that were in on the same alignment with what I wanted in life. And so I was really, you know, bought into him and his team and, and him as a mentor. And, and I just soaked up all the knowledge I could get there from working with him. Uh, it didn't work out for the long term, but I was there for two years with him. And all the things I learned in those two years, I got 10, maybe even 20 years worth of education just in hanging around him for that, those couple of years. And so I think, you know, you always got to be aware of who you're around and who you're hanging yep. around and what that environment is and the people in your life, whether they're uh, family members, friends, um, acquaintances, colleagues, clients, even like these people can massively impact your levels yeah. of success, your failure, your, your, your mindsets, your energy, your health, everything. Right. So it's really important to be hang around. And so that to me is one of the most important things in life in general, certainly in business is just to be aware of your environment and don't just let that happen just by luck or by, you know, right happenstance like be purposeful about making sure your environment is set you setting up for where you want to go uh and so that's you, been that's one of the biggest things for me is just being aware of that and, and purposefully setting up my environment do you find that a lot of agents are reaching out to you to be a part of your mentorship network uh yeah we do we a lot of our agents so one of the one of the other really smart things i started which is probably a little more of a of a not not, not as much of a big picture sort of concept is uh, I started a real estate investing podcast, uh, like you have your podcast in 2014. So uh, I'm still running yeah. today. My partner, Rob Brake and I, we've still hosted the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Um, we started in 2014. It's been, we're almost nearing 10 years here. So we've been nine plus years of hosting shows and it doesn't, you don't need to start a podcast necessarily. You can do anything, any version of content, in my opinion, needs to be a uh, in the playbook of your business success yeah educating your audience like finding i know you're really big on this and it's genius to have your avatar of who you want to attract think about who that is and how can you educate that person through i mean today's easier than ever right all the different platforms that are out there through social media online uh, marketing of some way or, or uh, podcasts shows youtube whatever how do you educate that audience show them that you have value and you're an authority in that space. They're obviously going to be attracted to that. And if you do that consistently over time, it doesn't happen overnight, although it can happen a lot faster today than, than it did uh, yeah. 10 years ago. Um, you're going to attract the people you want to do business with and you're going to get people reaching out to you. And those are, those are not only potentially clients and or business partners or, or all those sorts of things, but they're also like your ideal people, right? So they're the ones that you actually want to work with. They're going to be fun. You're going to, give them a lot better service than you would some random person. That's not really your ideal clients and yeah. you're going to do a better job. You're going to probably get more referrals through that. And it's going to be a much better journey overall. So we did that podcast in 2014, but this is, this is the, for our experience, this was the, the big lesson in it for me was we didn't get anything from it for about a year and a half, like basically nothing. We were 
we kept doing it and we just like a year and a half of doing those shows. The show took me <laughs> back then. It was a lot harder to launch a podcast than it is today. Yeah. Um, I figured out how to do that. It took me like 15, 16 hours for a week straight, like 15, 16 hours a day for a week straight, oh, wow. just to figure out how to, I built the WordPress websites. I figured out how to get the RSS feed to go into iTunes and yep. all these things that I knew nothing about. And so it was a lot of upfront work cost us like next to nothing. I, if I was doing it today, I'd probably pay someone to help me with it, but we had a budget. You probably of, uh, wouldn't need to, to be honest. I mean, now there's so many tools out there. It's just, it's inexcusable yeah. for somebody to not have their own ecosystem of content, but true. Be that you have to have content. That's the end of the day is you yeah. have to put out content to your audience and educate them as best you can. If you can find that, like we got, we got honestly got lucky with being in that podcast space at the time. Yeah, there so was nobody we. else doing this. Uh, there was people doing. There were people doing real estate investment um, content in the U.S. Very, very few had ever even tried it in Canada, let alone push through. Like we, when I did some research around this, there was there was a dozen or so that had started uh, shows, and they had all quit after like four or five episodes. Yeah, and we had no we really had no desire to get anything out of it right away which helped us like we weren't we weren't even realtors at the time so there was no like we need to get business from this and get the roi it was more just how do we give value to this audience and how do we learn as well with the guests that we had on and so we did that for for well we've been doing it for nine plus years we did it really uh you know just with that total servant attitude for the first couple years for sure where we had no thought to ever get anything out of it and, um, and we kept pushing through and eventually year and a half to two years in the 18 to 24 month window, I got bombarded with, with business every, really? every week. Every oh, that's week, interesting. Yeah. Is it yeah. just like an influx of people reaching out to you? Yeah. Um, and I was doing some of this, uh, looking back on some of the numbers over the years, just recently we had, we, we had, but we had hundreds of listeners in the first year, hundreds or, or like on total over every show. And in Two years in, we started. Uh, we got up to seventy-five thousand listeners total. So we were doing an episode every every month or, or so at the time, which was which is all we needed to do. Yeah. Then we started doing more episodes, but by by the fifth year in, we were at a million plus downloads, and it, wow. it's grown it's grown even from there. But yeah, it took a little while to hit that that exponential growth. And, yeah, and uh, and it, that's that's what happens in business and in most businesses. It takes a little while. So people. Realtors, I see this all the time, right? They come in the business, they want to get that success right away. They think, you know, it's it's not that difficult of a business. I can come in and just write big fat paychecks uh, in the first month. It takes a while. And having that expectation that it's going to take a while. I like to say you, you have to act urgent in the, in the daily activities with a sense of urgency. Yep. But also patience for the long term. Patience that it's going to take a while. And if you expect anything different, you're setting yourself up for... Uh, for failure and really a lot of aggravation because it's just not very likely that you're going to strike gold in the first you know few months. Yeah. It's extremely rare. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk also says something similar to that is you've got to hustle like crazy in the micro, but be extremely patient in the macro. And that's really what that. this is. Like, even if I actually ne- I've recently kind of started to have a little bit of a problem. When I say recently, I'm mean in the past couple of years, the whole idea of like Forbes 30 under 30. The reason I don't love it is as illustrious and like, don't get me wrong. If anybody ever called me from Forbes and be like, Hey, we'd like to feature you. I'd be like mm-hmm. over the moon. Don't get me wrong. However, 
it does kind of go against the entire idea of it all. Like entrepreneurship is very infrequently about, hey, I just had this most amazing idea. I woke up one day and I decided that if we just did this, then I'd be a millionaire and I did it. And lo and behold, I'm a millionaire. Like that's not really how it works. Like it's a grind like nine years ago. Now it's even hard for people to keep up a podcast when you've got all of these programs that literally all I have to do is hop on a quote unquote zoom call or stream stream yard call with you, record the conversation, throw it up onto there. And it'll take me like four minutes max with basically no editing required. Like it's just crazy how easy it is. And people will still find an excuse, right? And everybody at the top, who's done it and who are continuing to find this a mega amount of success. They're all saying the same thing. Like it's not complicated. It's just about having the tenacity to keep on going at it. So I guess going back to the original question is what did you like, what did you do to accomplish your success that could be easily replicated? I'm not sure necessarily that everybody could have figured out how to like set up the RSS feed in the WordPress website, but it doesn't matter because really when you put it, when you like, get down to it at the end of the day, all you did is you stayed consistent. Yeah, you're right. I, I did. There, there's two things I did. I, I was my, my really patient uh, action was doing the podcast over and over and it, we were super patient with it in the day to day. As I was doing that, I cold called every day for three hours every day, Yeah, um, which is one of the habits I got. I, I built on the team I was on, which I am really grateful for because I, when I left and I started our own team, I started to do the same thing. And very few realtors will, I'm not, not over-exaggerating. Like we did at least two hours every single day. If we had a event coming up the one day, a golf tournament, all these things that kind of sometimes took away that space that we had in our calendars, which was always in the morning. We'd always start at nine, finish by 11 or 12. And if we knew that was, there was a day that we weren't able to do that, then the day prior or, few, or the, the week prior or whatever, we'd add on extra hours. Yeah. And so we didn't miss that. And we got so many opportunities through that. Like, well, I don't like to say God, we earned so many opportunities through that because we, we grinded, like it's a, it's a bit of a grind. And when you get busy as a realtor, it's even harder because now you have actual stuff to do. But that's why we do it in the morning because uh, in the morning, half the industry is still asleep and uh, awesome. we can, uh, we can get that done. And then when everyone else shows up to work, which, when half, well, I should say when like half the industry actually shows up to work at maybe 11 or so, we've already done our, our whole lead generation right. portion. And now we can actually just do the more actual working in the business type thing. Yeah, they the can't, com- and all they that. can't compete with that. Yeah. It's impossible. It's yeah. impossible. Well, I think that, um, I think that one of the challenges, like I always say that if people would basically just wake up every day, like you're saying in cold call, the stuff that I have would really be helpful. Don't get me wrong, but it wouldn't be necessary. That's the truth. Like it just wouldn't be necessary because yeah, like it, I don't know, you wouldn't have like a lead magnet, a follow-up process. Maybe you wouldn't have, it wouldn't be set up the same way. Don't get me wrong. It wouldn't scale the same way, but you wouldn't have, people wouldn't have money problems if that's all that they would do. And I'm not here like sitting on my high horse telling people that this is what they should be doing. Cause like, full transparency. I don't like cold calling. I really don't. It's something that I really struggle with. So I'm not sitting here telling everybody else that you're not working hard enough. And if you just work like me, then you don't be fine. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But the reality is, is that I know that my business would be in a different place if I would just sit down and cold call for hours. And I know that the same thing with all of the realtors that I work with, realtors that I don't work with, you would never have money problems. And what's interesting is when you're talking about the idea of hustle, 
and grind and grit and tenacity. It's all very sexy and, and beautiful when you're talking about it in past tense. Like, look at you now with those ivory bookshelves behind you and like success of like 140 agents in your brokerage. It's all very nice and sexy to talk about it in past tense. But if we took you back like eight, nine years ago, when you're in the trenches or whenever you were doing it, in the trenches, cold calling three hours every morning, like it sucks. And it's not like, man, I've got to go. There's not like a playlist playing in your head all day, just like keep spurring you on. Sometimes you don't want to get up and you're tired and you've been rejected like 50 times a day before. And like, why would I pick up the phone again? It doesn't work. But to be able to remove yourself emotionally and be like, statistically, it does work and it sucks, but I just got to keep going. Like, that's a really freaking hard thing to do. <laughs> It's certainly, it's not easy at all. And we, we, we work with, you know, real, new realtors. We primarily uh, bring on new realtors to our team. So when someone joins our team, they're typically brand new in the, in the industry. And uh, which I like because they don't have those habits of not yeah. doing this stuff yet. And so when they're new, they're very moldable and they're open to, they're, they're more open to sitting there and making calls all morning. And, yep. and we, we do a variation of that. It's not necessarily all cold calling today. Uh, like we were in the past, but uh, we are doing some version of prospecting every morning with them. And uh, it is not glamorous. That's for sure. It's yeah. it's not meant to be. I mean, it's not as realtors. I, I sometimes like I, I question, but I also I get it, but I'm also kind of confused as to why people would expect anything different. You're getting into an industry where you can make millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars you can make more than doctors make. You can make more than like these high profile uh, jobs out there that people went to school for a decade plus to earn the opportunity to, to do that job. And we can go to school for six months and come out and earn more than those people. Why would it be any different? Why would, how could that, how could this be that easy? There shouldn't be, it should be, yeah. it should be challenging. And so I think that's one of the big things, just those expectations. I said that already, but coming into it with expectations that it's going to be easy is a, is, is really challenging because that's what people have for the most part um, coming into this industry. And it's really setting them up for failure because it's just not going to be easy. It's a grind. There's lots of competition and that's okay. I mean, that it's, it's, there's major, major rewards at the end of that. If you, if you choose to put in the effort, not everyone wants to, that's fine. But if you choose to, you can really, really build an awesome life. Your perspective here is going to be different than mine. Like as a broker, as a team leader, uh, your perspective is going to be different than mine as a marketer. But I find that a lot of the time, let's say marketers and other brokers really who are just trying to attract more agents onto their team, they understand that if everybody wants the dream of quick success and fast cash, they could sell that, sell more of whatever it is that they're trying to sell. Mm -hmm. And then they're good to go. So I feel like this myth is being very deliberately, unfortunately, perpetuated, which is super detrimental. Like, are you seeing that? Or do you think it's just a laziness thing? It is. It is. It's true. Uh, it's part of the, it's true in, in lots of industries, right? The get rich quick mindset is, is very prevalent out there in the world. And, you know, from a marketing standpoint, you, you think about, you got to reach the, reach the conversations happening in your prospect's head. Yep. And that's the conversation in their mind. So it's hard, I'm not sure how to end that cycle, but that, that when I, when I think about how do we, how do we track the people, it does start with some version of that, you know, that get rich quick thing, at least starts the conversation, but there's gotta be something in that, like, 
no, you don't have to sell it that way, but a lot of people are going to do it regardless. Well, and listen, uh, the, 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 I'll tell you from the perspective of the marketer and, and I really won't do this. And if it sounds like, like, if it sounds like, yeah, sure. Oliver, like anybody who's been on a call with me knows that I really don't do this. I don't sell that dream because I think I'm des I'm setting myself up for failure also. Cause I want to set the expectations really strong in the beginning. However, it is so obvious to me how much easier it would be for me to make more money if I sold that. Like, mm -hmm. it's outrageous because at the end of the day, people do want a shortcut. And even when you say to them, I just want to be clear to you, this isn't a shortcut. They go, yeah, no, I know. Don't worry. But in their head, they go, yeah, but it is. Like, yeah, no, it's not. It's really, it's not. The only shortcut is, I'm going to tell you the only shortcut. There is no shortcut. There. Now you have the shortcut. Don't waste two years of your career trying to find that shortcut. It's not there. And there's still probably a lot of people still will. I, I, honestly, I, I spent time, I spent, I, I wasted opportunities or I, I went down the wrong path uh, multiple times in my life because of that mindset. And it's social media is, is crushing everyone's mindset with that. Cause everyone sees all the glamorous stuff and it's, it's, you know, we hear a lot of, a lot of this now, a lot of this conversation happening, which is good. Like I think people are getting more educated around the fact that you maybe should have some idea of delayed gratification and be okay with that. But it is challenging to get that in time into a younger mind, a mind that's not totally matured yet. You know, it's, it's tough to really understand that and yeah. it's tough to do that without experiencing it. I've experienced that. I screwed it up a lot of times. I've wasted lots of opportunities, lost lots of money with that mindset. I am, I like to think I'm pretty good and pretty past that mindset. Um, but I do catch myself here and there thinking like, is this just a, you know, is this, am I attracted to this because it sounds easy or am I attracted to this because of like what the actual, you know, outcome might be. And I can actually, is it realistic? I can do that. And I check my mindset on it, you know? Yeah. How, and that, that anything that's promising too much, too fast. I'm very, very suspicious because I know that anything worthwhile is, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of effort. And uh, yeah. I, I'd much rather have that mindset. The other end of that, like the other challenge with that is there is conflicting advice out there. And like, de depending on how you say it, something sounds like advice sounds so obvious when you say it one way versus another way. And those two things could be totally contradictory. So for example, I've heard someone say, and you kind of almost say in this is it's, if something's getting really difficult and something gets challenging and it sounds like you've got to jump over obstacles and that's how you know you're going in the right direction when things get too difficult. Because when it gets really difficult, that's when you know you got to buckle down because that's when everybody else will give up. But then mm -hmm. on the other hand, you hear very successful entrepreneurs in their own right, and I actually believe more in this, to tell you the truth, but although in very careful moderation, is that you have to obey the laws of gravity. And at the end of the day, if you're doing something that really speaks to you and it feels like you're swimming downstream all the time and everything's just not easy, but like it just fills you with a sense of joy and excitement Oftentimes, that's the direction to go. So how do you reconcile those two extraordinarily conflicting pieces of advice? And so often, you'll stay down a road because I want to stay the course. I do not want to give up on this dream, and it's hard, and I got to keep on going. And maybe a year and a half down the line, you do change, and everything works out, and you're like, wow, I guess I really didn't have to kill myself like that. And it, it's, the reality is, is it's impossible to reconcile. And I think this kind of goes back to your other point when you said you need a mentor. I think that unless we've been there, we don't have the benefit of hindsight we can't look at where we're going like right now we're on page 40 we can't skip to page 90 and see what we should do we have to be in the moment making this decision and figure out how the heck we're going to get to page 90 if you find a mentor who's been there 
I can then ask that mentor, right? I could ask you, Sandy, you know me, look at me right now. What do you think is the correct course of action for me? And you may be wrong, but at the end of the day, you have perspective that I just don't have access to myself. All that's all that's really well said. I agree 100%. I think one of the other things to add to that is just that I would rather I would rather screw it up and take action and 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 totally fail than sit back and wait and try and perfect everything, take months and take, you know, I think because hindsight is so so much clearer and and sometimes there is really only that's really the only way you're going to really truly know then you might as well get there as quick as possible. You might as well go screw it up. You might as well you know, as long as you got that attitude that fa- the failure is not failure, failure is just learning. And as long yeah. as you, as long as you know that, and you can be okay with failure, that's a huge piece of any success too. Is just being okay with failure and, and going through it and just going, doing it, do the best you can. Go with the best. You don't have to have the perfect answer. Go with the best answer you have for yourself today, and then that hindsight comes eventually, and you'll you'll know if you made the right choice or not. Hopefully, you make yeah. some good ones here and there, but you're going to make a ton of bad ones regardless. So you know, getting to that hindsight as fast as possible is also just pretty important. Take an action. Yeah, I also feel like there's probably, and again, probably, I don't really know this, but I feel like there's probably a version of success either way you take, right? Like you could go this way. You maybe not want to experience the same level of success, but the only thing that's not going to lead to any success is when you just stop or when you just give up. That's definitely true as well. I agree. Yeah. But none of this makes sense. Like to tell you that, I mean, listen, I can just talk for myself, but like, it's on a su- on such a case by case basis, and we're all just trying to make heads and tails of this crazy world that we call entrepreneurship. And nobody really knows the answers. We all know the answers of what works for us. And I heard Dan Pena, for example, talk, and I'm like, not for me. And other people hear him and are like, God, this guy's like the Messiah. He's brilliant. It's like, I don't know, freaking do whatever works for you. It's, but it's impossible. I listen to a lot of, I read a lot, of, listen to a lot of podcasts, books, etc. And often I, I, I have this thought because you're like, I just. I, I love I love both these guys. I listened to this guy yesterday and this guy today. I generally like both of them. Even sometimes you like them both, but this guy's the exact opposite of what. Yes. My other guy said yesterday, and I'm like, okay, I gotta. I either gotta really decide I'm on one side of the fence or the other, or or they're probably both right. And what in what in this circumstance that I'm working on today, which one do I want to choose is most right? Yeah. It's an impossible game. I want to transition yeah. a little bit into into uh, that's that's such an unsatisfying ending to this little segue <laughs> that we just went on. Like it's an impossible game. We have no idea what we're talking about. We're all confused. Let's just move on, knowing we know nothing. So I'm sorry it to depends. everybody listening it and depends. watching this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's a very unsatisfactory answer. That's just the reality. Um, but again, just just I guess as a as a final piece of this digression, you mentioned earlier on the importance of finding a mentor. So if anybody as is at this point where they're feeling all of the frustrations that we're discussing right now and they're not sure about where, where to go. I hope you don't mind, Sandy. I'm going to volunteer you. Reach out to Sandy. Reach out to myself as mentors. Um, I'm more than happy to, to help provide clarity to anybody who's kind of struggling with this. And full transparency, I may be wrong with my suggestions. Sandy may be wrong with his. But just to get that kind of objectivity, just to talk something out with, because it is a frustrating predicament and I think it is debilitating. Um, yeah. But now I want to transition into your success as an investor's agent, because really this is, I mean, this is what takes it, I think, over the top is the fact that you're doing all of this and you've you've got programs and and brands going on. And it's just insane. Like your wife has a project management company as well. Like you've developed this entire ecosystem around being an investor agent. So I'm curious, what type of success have you seen in your career through specializing in investors that you maybe wouldn't have seen otherwise? 
Well, I specialized in them. And I've always specialized in them. I knew my niche early on, which is important. And, uh, and I, I chose to focus on it. I chose to focus on it because I was really interested in it, for starters. Um, and I also, you know, when I, get, when I got going into real estate, I realized that on the realtor side, I realized that very, very few realtors really knew anything about investing in real estate. You know, I, I think the general population views realtors as, as if they should know stuff about real estate. <laughs> Actually, I, what I've learned is real, realtors don't often know much about real estate even in general, yeah. <laughs> let alone real estate investing. Because, I mean, all we really did is we went through a six-month, maybe a year-long course. And, I mean, that really doesn't qualify you to know that much. Um, you need need some experience under your belt to really get it. But the real estate investing side, for sure, very few people knew about it. Um, but what I love about the real estate investor side is I work with less clients. The clients become easier and easier because I, I get the same clients over and over again, repeat clients. Uh, I, I always, you know, when you, when you get your license and you start taking some realtor training, they always talk about going after seller business because it's the most leverageable type of business. Um, it's generally a little bit less time consuming. Um, it requires a little bit more skill, but it's, it's not as you have a little more time uh, freedom when you work with that type of client versus a buyer and investors are buyers generally. Um, so they don't really qualify for that, but what they do qualify for is, uh, is the type of client that you can really uh, work with like really in an automated way. So you can work with them over, first of all, like the second year I was in real estate, I sold 50, uh, 50 some odd houses and uh, it was 51 houses and it was actually my first year. I was six months in and I had a terrible first six months, but then the next full calendar year, I sold 51 houses. I think 49 or 50 of them were investors, but there wasn't 49 or 50 clients. There was about 30 clients. And so, cause I sold a, a few of them. I sold like three or four houses each. And the yeah. second year I was in second full calendar year, I sold two, two people. I sold over 10 houses each. And on those 10 properties for the one client, I only showed them the first one. And then after that, actually I was lucky that I was in the timing of, uh, of the world where FaceTime video and these types of things were starting to come out. So we started to do walkthroughs through video. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of our clients are coming from the greater Toronto area. It's an hour drive to the Hamilton area. Um, I could leverage so much of that activity and I could go do it on my own time. I saw a great list, great, great house come up. I'm like, Hey, this is the same one as last time. We've got to do the same thing, rinse and repeat. And we would do that. It was really scalable. And I loved that part of it. Uh, and so that was one of the things I didn't realize is how scalable it would be because I could just, I could have less clients and sell them more houses versus having to find a new client every, who's going to sell a house or buy a house every like five years on average. Well, that's these- the biggest challenge in real estate is that even though the commissions are as people say so big and there's such an opportunity there at the end of the day, it's like, there's only so many hours in a day and it really isn't scalable. So this, I think when people are looking at the lack of scalability, maybe in real estate and they're always thinking, well, I need a team and I need a brokerage. And it's like, well, there are steps before that. And it sounds like investing is a really, like one of your clients right now has, it sounds like it's given you more transactions in one year than an average realtor will do with all of their clients in the year. Yeah. But, or, or, or ever over the, you know, you could have a full lifetime with a client and I, you know, most, if you do the math, you might, you might look at seven or so transactions over a realtor, over a, uh, a person's lifetime in real estate over a person, a client's lifetime. And that might take decades to get to versus I can sell seven houses to one person that year. I can sell seven houses 
in you know one pre-construction investment project you can sell one person one uh, seven of those, those units and there you go so yeah it was a lot more scalable than i thought and you could run a really really good solo person business just with that niche maybe have an assistant or a virtual assistant even and you could really build a really really profitable uh not ridiculously time commitments type of business and have a really awesome realtor business just in that niche alone I, 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 I've thought about that a lot as I've built out the team, because as you build out the team, you start to incur all these expenses and fixed costs and all that. And I, I don't, I don't regret it, but over time or somewhere in those moments, I've thought, man, I could just go back and do it this myself really easily and be really profitable. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a couple of things and, and, and I want to tie it all back. You said that number one, you're working with the same clients a lot of the time. The other thing is you're also working with the same type of clients a lot of the time, which goes back to the other avatar that we were discussing earlier. So I hear a lot of the time people understand conceptually what a niche is, what an avatar is, but they don't necessarily understand what it looks like practically speaking. So in my business, for example, um, most of what I do within a box is for agents, not like team leaders or brokers. And even if I am working with a team leader or a broker, it's I'm helping the agents on their team. So for example, before this call, me and Sandy were discussing and Sandy said, who do you talk to? Um, do you talk to team leaders or brokers? And that's kind of guided the conversation knowing that I'm speaking to agents. So instead of saying to Sandy, Sandy, tell me everything about how you attracted 140 agents. Tell me, how do you generate this level of success? How do you motivate your, your team to succeed? I'm not asking Sandy about that. I'm asking Sandy, what happened when you were starting? How, like, what did you do that helped you get to your level of success that was replicatable? So meaning how can the people listening to this podcast actually do that? So just for everybody listening or watching this, that's what an avatar actually looks like. So understanding that now, um, the fact that you're always working with the same type of client makes it really crystal clear in your head who your avatar actually is, the type of person that you're trying to attract. And I'm sure you're seeing a lot of the same questions asked again and again. How are you leveraging those frequently asked questions in your marketing to generate more investors into your network? Well, that, that's, and that's one of the best parts. It, it, your marketing, it makes the marketing for you because you hear the same questions over and over again every day and you go, okay, well, maybe I should create a piece of content around that question right there. And, you know, when we're in a... In a market like we've been in the last year where it's dipping a little bit and we're seeing interest rates rising and all that, the obvious question that comes up a lot now with the, in the investment side is, is about how do we find cash flowing properties? You know, what strategy is being useful? What strategy is useful today in this type of market? Because it changes a little bit. And, and our market, since I've been in Hamilton, the first property I personally ever bought in Hamilton was... Um, or one of the very first ones, at least, was in the hundred. It was one hundred eighty-five thousand. Oh, um, now, so now the average price points eight hundred-ish thousand in yeah. Hamilton, and so the the strategies have changed and evolved over the time of the, those price points, and and rental rates have changed too. Um, not always in line with with that the uh, the average home price, and so all these different factors are always changing and real estate investor side is a lot more about numbers. And so it's a lot more um, uh, you're dealing with typically a lot more, it's not, it's a less emotional purchase or, or sale. It's a lot yeah. more about numbers. So you, you got to educate them a little more on the numbers, right? So we do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, content around that, around how to, how to analyze the, uh, deals, how to look at properties um, and look for the opportunities. The opportunities are typically in the numbers somewhere. Like how do we build, more income or how do we uh, save on the expense side so that at the end of the month, 
you know, your positive cash flow or at the end of the year or at the end of the, the life cycle of the investment, you're earning a, a great ROI. So typically we're focused on numbers based um, things with the investors. And that also makes it really, what I love about that is it makes it very scalable again, because if it's just about numbers, then yeah. what you don't need the warm and fuzzies when you walk in the front door. <laughs> You just right. need to know that the, the warm and fuzz is coming up at the end of the, the month when the rents come in and you, you got some extra cash flow on top. Absolutely. And I think it's also um, like this, this new endeavor that we're going to be working on together as well. Like with the social media posting, it's this is where you can have the best marketer in a world, but, but you have to be familiar with your avatar. You have to know who they are. So really, really, really quick overview, just bare bones so that people know, kind of have context what we're talking about. Me and Sandy are going to be working on this new project together where I'm helping Sandy provide kind of content direction. Sandy provides content. We'll edit it up. We'll make it look really great for social media. And then we post it on Bob's Your Uncle. But the process leading up to the point where we're ready to actually take the content and edit it was a collaborative effort between myself and Sandy saying, is these, are these the questions that people are answering or, or asking you? And if the answer is yes, then we dig into a little bit more and we find other questions that are similar. And basically, you can have a never-ending stream of questions that you're commonly being asked or at least questions that are related to other questions that you're commonly being asked, but it all stems from the same exact type of individual, that same avatar. And when you have that dialed in, like a world of opportunity opens up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you said this to me recently or, or, or if I've known this for a long time, actually, but either way, um, you probably did say it. It's a smart thing. Um, but you know, there's, there's, there's really three things in your content, right. That you want to be promoting regardless of what the actual content's about. You got to inspire people. You got to educate them. You got to entertain them. And some variation of all those three, or maybe just one of those three, but yeah. you got to be doing something around those three things. And, Numbers for investors are sometimes not entertaining. They're definitely more along the educational side. Um, and so, you know, I was thinking about how do we tell stories too? How do we incorporate stories into all this stuff? And how do we build on, you know, if, if there's a great story, if there's a, a real reason to talk about numbers, how do we make that into a story that's also entertaining or inspirational? So I at least get like two of those three on each piece of content and not just, I mean, if you just want to go education, you can absolutely do it. You can win in that game. It's just a, it's nice if you could accomplish two of those. Yeah. Three. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got right now, you've got some exciting things happening in the pipeline. I know you've got kind of a new brand direction coming up, uh, supplementary brand direction coming up. Can you tell us about a few of the exciting projects that are coming up that we can, uh, that we can hear about? So yeah, a little bit more on the marketing side, I guess, with this one too. And we have, you know, I've always, I've long thought about how do we create, how do we separate ourselves from the rest of the um, competition out there? And, you know, one of the best ways to do that is have something proprietary that is yours, that nothing can take it away from you. It's your secret sauce. It's your, you know, and a lot of times it's not necessarily anything revolutionary. A lot of times it's just a, a new marketing way, a new way to say it or a new way to explain it or a new way to, uh, to position it in the marketplace. And I mean, that's most things these days. There's very, very few like actually brand new inventions. Yeah, uh, it's more about how do you reposition it or, or reframe it. And so uh, what we're coming up with is uh, uh, the Empowered Homeowners program. And so the Empowered Homeowners uh, program is all about it, it is about empowering homeowners. And it's also focused at the, the first version of it. I kind of have three pillars of it. I do have a version for sellers and buyers. We're starting with the 
investor side because it's more our niche that we target. And um, it's about empowering them with the education so that they can actually take action on buying uh, properties. A lot of investors are not necessarily, a lot of real estate investors are not real estate investors per se. They're just people who invest in real estate. They don't necessarily need to know every nut and bolt about the process. They more so need to be actually educated somewhat and inspired to take action. And so the Empowered Homeowner Program is about educating them and inspiring them to perhaps buy one more investment property or perhaps just buy that one investment property that they weren't going to do otherwise. And I know what the difference that can be in someone's life over the course of a, a 10 or 15 year horizon. If they bought an investment property in Hamilton back when I was starting and they bought that yeah. $185,000 property today, it might be worth, actually, I still own that property. So today it's worth about 850 grand. Um, now I've added a bit of sweat equity into that. So factor that in, there's probably about 600, uh, 550 to 600 K of equity built in that property over the last, uh, nine years. Yeah. And that's one property. If you had just that one property, give it another few years, get, let's say over a 15 year horizon there, you're, you're, you're approaching a million dollars in equity growth from one property. And that is a big difference in people's lives. So if I can help one person get one extra property, that's kind of our mission there is just to empower homeowners with the education and also the inspiration to take action, buy one more property, set their kids up for, you know, future success because everyone talks about, this goes back to the questions and the, and the things that we're talking about in, yeah. uh, in, in, in our niche when we really know it. A lot of our, a lot of our clients don't know how the heck their, their kids are ever going to be able to buy a property, right? They don't know how they're going to afford their schooling. They don't, all, the, all the costs of kids and stuff are going up. Yeah. Um, incomes are not necessarily going up at the same rate. They're not going up at all or definitely not at the same rate. So how do you get ahead with that? Well, you got to buy, buy one more property. So that's kind of our mission there is to is to do yeah. that and um, and the empowered homeowners program is is how we're positioning that in the marketplace. There's an insight that that you're sort of flirting around with there, and I think it's really clever. The whole idea of empowerment, right? And I think that the idea behind empowering a homeowner or an investor, I should say, in this case, empowering an investor is to let them know that even if your entire identity doesn't revolve around you being an investor, you can still make it happen. I think the intimidation factor comes in is because I'm not an investor. Right. And nobody, like, I don't know, if people would stop thinking I'm not an early riser, maybe they'd just start waking up in the morning. But because That's they true. think I'm either an early riser or I'm not an early riser, if those are my only two options, I guess I won't wake up early. The reality is, is that you can do something in moderation and investing in real estate is no different. You can invest in real estate without being a real estate investor. I may not be ready to change my entire life and become a full-time real estate investor. And then for you to empower me and say, hang on a minute, you can make your life better without changing your entire persona, your entire identity. I think that accessibility, that empowerment really does make it that, like I said, you don't have to change your entire identity. Anybody can really make this happen. I think that kind of insight is something that you tapped into, maybe even if you didn't say it in the same way that I just said it, but because you're so intimately familiar with the people that you're working through, that you're working with, you know that what stops them from feeling empowered is they feel like they have to be an entirely dedicated real estate investor from start to finish. And you're here to come along and say, that's actually not true. And you know, yeah. there's a market for, for that lesson because that's the biggest hangup that people have. That's very well said. It's exactly what we're thinking. And uh, I take full credit for the cleverness of it. It was genius. Uh, but <laughs> I think you even helped me with some of that, clarifying that. So um, 
and other people have too. It, 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 often ideas like this come about over time exactly yeah. by knowing your, your ideal client and really working with a lot of them. And we've, we've worked with a lot of people like that. We've worked with a lot of people that actually, I've, I've done a lot of uh, co-venture projects together, joint venture projects with people where we buy houses collaboratively. And a lot of those people that are doing that are not investors. Like they're really just average people, but they've owned a home for a long amount of time. They have a home equity and they say, well, I should probably find a way to buy one or two more of these things because use my own personal prop property as the, the, um, the case study on it. And I just, you know, it's, it's not hard to see where you can build a lot of wealth in this country, particularly yeah. Southern Ontario. So yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's exactly it. Knowing your niche, just that concept alone, knowing your avatar avatar and, and really just honing in on that. It, it will stem into so many more additional things in your life that you probably have no idea would ever happen if you didn't start with that understanding of just how important that is. So I think um, it's a great place for people to start when they're thinking about marketing in general is to just start with that, that niche and that avatar. Um, it's what led me to, if I, ha if it is clever and it, and it plays out really well over time here uh, it's, it's because we've spent a decade more than a decade focusing on that. And the other thing I want to mention is I was not even close to an investor. I had nothing to do with investments when I was in my mid twenties. I spent uh over uh where am i i'm still not 40 yet i'm trying to do some quick math i've spent more than half my life at least uh more than almost maybe two-thirds of my life not being an investor i've only spent the last like 12 years being any sort of an investor so i mean anyone can become an investor if they want to be i wasn't born an investor yeah um, anyone can be anything they want to be you just have to make that decision but you also don't have to be <laughs> you can just <laughs> You can just leverage programs like the one that I'm putting out there and, and, and just do it passively and, and make it a small little piece of your life. Yeah. It's interesting The the name of the, this episode, although we're talking about finding success in, as an investor's agent, it could be finding success as a first time home buyer agent, finding success as a listing agent, whatever the heck it is. But I think the idea is kind of the same, regardless of whatever, whatever niche you're in the marketing assets and materials change. Obviously the lingo changed the emotional triggers that you're using will change, but the concepts, the frameworks, the ideas will always stay the same. So just to kind of bring it full circle before I let you go, if you had to go back in time, let's say to 12 years ago, do it all again, would you do anything different? And if so, what would you do different? Yeah. Uh, yes, I would do things differently. <laughs> I have no regrets, although I would do things differently, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, because I really believe that that I'm going to get every lesson out of every, no, I'm not getting every lesson. I'm going to grab at least a lesson out of everything I screw up. And so the screw ups are well worth it over time. Sometimes you don't even know when it's going to be worth it, but it shows up eventually. So I really believe in that. Um, so, well, I don't regret it. I certainly, there's lots of things I would have done differently. You know, what's the one thing that's definitely applicable for anyone. And I, and I started to do this really more purposefully, about five, six years ago, but I spent half my career in real estate and, and most of my life not doing this, not doing it regularly, at least. Um, I, I really believe that habits are really everything. I mean, you can have a goal and ex hitting your goal is just going to be based on the habits that you've put in place towards now and that goal. Yeah. And that's going to what's going to be what gets you there. I, uh, I, I used to very haphazardly work on my own self, my, my, my full self, like my my, my health, my, my mindset, all these different things outside of business, not really business type. Uh, this isn't really a business lesson. It's more of a, 
uh, a life lesson, I guess. I started really focusing on my own personal development every single day. And I do a two to three hour um, morning kind of routine before I get to the office. When I started doing that really purposely about five years ago, and what, what made me do that actually was realizing that I was doing that for other people, not just myself. When I used to do it for myself, I did it here and there and I'd go off and on. When I did it for other people, it changed my life because I, I started waking up and going, why am I, why am I, hitting, why am I not hitting snooze today? Because I got to show up for all these other people in my life, not, not for my own self. When I started to flip that a bit and I started realizing that I'm getting even physically in shape, I'm doing all these things for, for other people, my, everything in my life has gotten not perfect, but it's gotten better in the long haul uh, on the macro uh, because of that. And uh, I would just be a lot more aware of my habits and I would focus on really working on my full self a little earlier because you can grow your business. <clears throat> you can try to grow your business every single day, but your business is only going to grow to the extent that you grow. Right. And I've really, really learned that being in a more leadership positions over time is that any business is, it cannot grow past the growth of that leader of that business and uh, big, small, medium sized businesses. Doesn't matter if you're a one person business, even more, even more the case, you'll never grow it to the, 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 uh, the size you want to grow to without personally first growing to that size. So really, really taking that to heart and actually putting that into action in my day-to-day routines and building habits around that has been the biggest change in my life for sure. I know it's not a business necessarily. No, it's, I mean, advice, it is though, because it, it, it has, it manifests in business as well. Yeah. So doing that's been massive. And you know, like when you have energy outside of business, when you have energy, when you're feeling good about your relationships at home when you're, and none of this stuff is ever perfect for me by far, right. it's no, there's no balance. It always is kind of trying to counterbalance everything. But when you're just having awareness about it and you go, okay, well, I probably should work on my health a bit this, this month or this year. Cause I kind of been putting that on the side for a bit. Uh, I should probably just go do that and get really, you know, build up that a little better. It's going to show up in your business. Now my business yeah. is going to get better because I'm going to show up with more energy. I'm going to, you know, feel more excited about the clients I'm working with. So it all blends over into each other. And uh, yeah, I, I really, I really get found joy in that too, actually been doing that regularly. It's, it's made every part of my life better and more exciting. And so um, like part of the secret to showing up and actually cold calling for three hours every single day is having energy to do it. Like yeah. you can't show up there and do that when you're feeling sick or lethargic or you had all these issues at home and you're, you're pissed off and you know, you can probably get through a day or two with that, but you can't do that at, at, you know, consistency time over time over time for years without having, you know, without checking in on the other areas of your life. For sure. So that's okay. been a big thing for me for sure. So before I let you go, Sandy, uh, how can, if anybody's listening to this and wants to reach out to you, maybe ask him, ask you some of those questions we were talking about before some of those existential questions that you probably won't have the answer to. Um, how can people reach you if they wanted to reach out? I might not have the answer, but I'll, I'll know someone that has the answer. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to point people in the right direction. Um, best way to do it. You can find me on all of our, uh, the social networks, social channels. Uh, you can, usually it's at it's Sandy McKay, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. You can find me on all those or uh, email me Sandy at freedomreps.com and I will assuredly get back to you at some point guys anybody listening to this seriously i've been in touch with a lot of people over my uh 
beginning of my career. It's a very short career compared to how long it's going to be for sure. But yeah. in the short span of my career, I've come across a lot of people. But this guy right here that I'm talking to is super growth minded, open minded, willing to learn. I mean, the amount of success that he's experienced um, pair, when paired with the ability and desire to learn is truly rare. Usually what I find is when you reach a certain level, your ears sort of close a little bit and you become more secluded and not really willing to listen and learn and grow. Um, unfortunately, that's happened so much. And there's absolutely none of that here. No ego, really, really like top guy to have. So definitely, I would highly recommend anybody reach out to Sandy if they're looking to grow their own business, like get just get advice. And, and as Sandy said at the beginning, the best thing he did for his career was find a mentor that can help take him to another level. And and he's volunteered to to be that mentor. If somebody's really going to show up and put in the work, just reach out to Sandy and, and, and he'll help take you to the top, honestly. So thank you so much for your time, Sandy. Really appreciate really appreciate it. Thanks, Oliver. This is a blast. And uh, I got to throw a little bit of love back your way after all that uh, nicely said stuff. Um, I've got, you know, there's a lot of people out there that uh, call themselves marketing coaches or marketing wizards or whatever the heck they call themselves. And uh, I think the fact that you know who your client is really well which really surprised me, by the way, when you knew your avatar perfectly off the tip of your tongue. I think you did off the tip of your tongue. Yeah. Um, that was well done. I was like, okay, this guy's not like BSing. He actually knows his, knows his stuff. And, uh, and so I thought that was really cool. And I think you're uh, 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 a really good person to have in in someone's corner in their real estate business, whether it's um, as a coach, mentor, trainer, whatever you want to think of, of you as. So I would encourage people to check in on you more and learn about your courses, your, your opportunities to work the opportunities there are to, to work with you and um they can use me as a as a as a beta test i guess for that or as a as they uh, they can watch me right on the videos that we're gonna be working on together so there you go yeah okay i appreciate <laughs> it man and i'm looking forward to our continued success together thank you awesome <laughs>